This is Rose Warfare, a podcast dedicated to covering war, civil unrest, working class politics, organized crime, military history, and more. Today we are talking to Lieutenant Abakar Afan, a Nigerian special operations soldier who has been fighting the Islamic State since 2017. I'd been following him for over a year on his Instagram before reaching out to hear about this largely forgotten conflict. Although ISIS and Syria are in shambles compared to the caliphate at the height of its power, operating as small cells in the shadows, conducting hit-and-run attacks, groups like Boko Haram and the West African offshoot of the Islamic State remain a very serious threat for innocents trying to live in peace. If you are fortunate enough to be able to support Rose Warfare and like our content, please subscribe to our Patreon. Dude, I really do appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk and be able to find out a little bit about what's going on in Nigeria. I was wondering if you could tell uh, the listeners, you know, what your name is and uh, what you've been doing these past few years. Well, I'm um, um, Lance Copper Aubaka Afan. I'm in Nigeria, SOF. I've been in the field for many years now. So SOF is uh, Special Operations, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, how did you end up in the military and then, you know, especially going in the military, then Special Operations? Uh, were you drafted? Like, is there a draft going on there or was it a complete volunteer? Well, I uh, normally as a citizen, I have to join the military due to the insurgent war um, campaign in 2009 when this, this the campaign was very brutal, like killing innocent people. In 2013, I was enlisted in the Nigerian military going to special forces course, went to an SOF course. So that's how I get to the military. Hmm. And um, how have you enjoyed your time? I mean... I know you've been in the field for years. Anyone who has followed your uh, Facebook, like your Instagram page, has seen you've seen plenty of combat, and you've been fighting. Uh, aside from the Islamic State, which we will get to, uh, has there been any other like rebel groups or you know like gangs or whatever other than the, like the Islamic State who you, you have been fighting? Uh, I enjoy my military work uh, based on um, I'm a special force. I able to operate in many kind of terrain, many kind of guns. I've been fighting since 2017 till date. I'm still in the field fighting the Islamic State terrorists. What is the best tool the Islamic State has? Like, what do they what do they use these days in fighting? Like, is it still suicide car bombs like they were doing in Syria, or is it still uh, just you know dudes with uh, you know with AK-47s? Well, um, the Islamic State, you know, in Iraq, in Syria, they are the people we are still fighting here in West Africa. Those set of people are very brutal. They are very dangerous and heartless. We have encountered many attacks, many suicide uh, attacks, many uh, uh, and kidnapping uh, uh, innocent villagers. They used to kidnap innocent villagers, took them to their enslaved, forced them to fight for them, many other, other steps, stuff like that. For those people you saw, they will force you and uh, brainwash you to fight for them. So many citizens were kidnapped and forced to fight. We have encountered many citizens who were forced to fight. Those people surrendered to hostels. This is the beginning of the story where they kidnapped, where they forced them to fight. The dude, the men you are fighting from the Islamic State, how many of them are actually like hard, hardline radical Islamists? Like they really do believe in Sharia law and the beheadings and all that, and the slavery versus the men and the boys who are just kind of roped into it, they're forced to fight. 
you know, they, 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 they're forced to fight by the Islamic State. Would you say it's like half and half, you know, half who really do believe it and the other half are forced or less than that? Yeah, um, the people we are fighting, as I said, those people are from Syria, most of them are other fight, freedom fighters, uh, for, uh, um, foreign fighters for the Islamic State. Um, last two to three months, they left uh, later to Syria, Iraq, and some other country where their fighters are that they should come and beef up with them in in West Africa so that they will support their campaign and fight uh, people. Like a uh, place like Mozambique and Congo and Nigeria and some other uh, South, uh, Western, West, West African countries, they are facing uh, a lot of ISIS attacks also. So when ISIS comes into a village, what do they do to the population, like to the local people? Yeah, uh, whenever they come to a village, they will seek to get to meet to, uh, the village head. They miss the village district so that he will grant them access to, 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 to the youth so that they will preach for them. That is where they gain their recruitment of population. Whenever they have an access to brainwash, they used to preach and tell many people about God, like it, just their own false narrative to assess uh, the, the, the mind of the villagers to easier for them to brainwash them. So it's brainwashing, that's what you think they do? Yeah, yeah, that's what they do. You, you know, for instance, maybe uh, I'm, I'm a Muslim and uh, I knew how to read Quran and I refuse. Most of Muslim uh, brothers that are in the village have no access for Western education and also religious education. So, for instance, maybe I'm a Muslim, I know how to read Quran, and this person is a Muslim, he don't know how to read Quran. When I come and read Quran, I will translate with some false information to him so that he will believe me. He knows that I read Quran well, but he don't know the translation, what the Quran says. That's where they gained their most recruitment uh, population because whenever they came and read Quran to the villagers, they would translate their own ideology to the villagers. So are you Muslim yourself or are you religious? Yeah, I'm a Muslim. You are Muslim? So what do you think of like what they believe? Do you think it's a faithful interpretation of like the teachings of Muhammad? No, no, this is not the teaching of the Muhammad or the teaching of the Quran. Quran does not ask you to kill anyone when, whenever you are asking him to, to join your faith, you are, you, are, you, are, you are allowed to preach, to ask that person, okay, this is my faith. So why do these people do it then, you think? Uh, what they did uh, is against the Muslim teaching or the teaching of the Prophet Muhammad Because the Prophet or God in the, the Holy Book does not ask anyone to kill anyone or to force anyone to combat your religion. So what this is what doing killing and forcing people to serve the God. Religion is not a force. You can't force someone to serve your religion. If I like, I will not be a Muslim. I will not be a faith person. I will live my life as I want. That's what religion says. So you can't force someone or you kill him because he refused to join your religion. It's not allowed in Islam. Interesting. And um, obviously, I know that you are you're active online. Uh, you know, I met, we, we met each other through Instagram. Um, after the war, do you do you plan to ever leave Nigeria and leave Africa and come live in the West, or do you see yourself like uh, spending your days out there? Yeah, um, hopefully by next year I will be living for the West so that 
to get access to the Western uh, leaders and Western media to tell them more about the situation in West Africa. Uh, because without being there, I think here in Nigeria, staying here in Nigeria, it my our fight and our voice will not be heard in the global because millions of people in Europe that doesn't know about the fight. Do you think that the world has forgotten about what's going on there? Uh, honestly, the world is forgotten. Honestly, they do. What is a day in the life like as a special forces like soldier? Um, you know, obviously you go on operations and stuff, but I don't know, like what just for someone who like for someone you know my listeners who have no idea what it's like to even be in the military. What does a day in the life like for you when on operation and even when you're not in the field on operations? Well, um, this is a special forces. Very, very terrible. Like. You, whenever any assignment, dangerous assignment, you will be assigned as a special force because uh, the government believe that you can, you know better than an ordinary soldier like a normal soldier that has has no any special forces training. So uh, as a special force, just have faith that anything can happen to you at any fucking time because whenever any uh, um, terrible work come or attack or rescue or attacking enemy comes believe that you will be the first person to be there before any other person so do people have like faith like that y'all will be coming are you like when someone like isis comes into a village do they like the local villages are are they like okay well at least the special forces are coming yeah 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 they because whenever they went they usually ask the head uh the village head like oh do you saw uh so those military guys with black because mostly sometimes we used to wear black, black. So they knew that we don't joke with them. We don't give them any British paste. What is it like when ISIS comes into a village? I know the other day. Could you tell me actually about the recent attack on those egg, aid workers? On that video um, that we uh, we collaborated on. Um, I don't really know the whole story. Um, something about there was an attack on aid workers. in uh, Is it Mongono? Sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So what happened there? Well, yeah, we well we were on fighting patrol as usual, so um, we had uh, heavy explosive goes up. Um, the commander was like, "What is going on?" Because we are like, "Okay, we are, we are back from patrol. Let us just have to relax and bath, do one or two stops, some admin stops." So we had a explosive. So that's where we. We had um, a gunshot after the explosive. We reorg and take off our arms and push our arms as we are going to the um, village because we are almost um, 200 miles away from the village. So as we drive uh, like 50 meters, we encounter the ambush. You know, whenever they want to attack like that, they most they are mostly ambushed. That we knew about that tactics. Whenever they attacking. They almost lay ambush, so we encountered ambush for like 20 to 30 minutes. We successfully killed seven of their fighters and seized one vehicle and two RPGs. We countered ambush before we proceed to the village. They have already burned down the, uh, uh, the aid facility and kidnapped two ladies and burned more than 20 vehicles of the uh, uh, aid workers in the facility. Wait, so, so how many people were kidnapped? Uh, two, two persons were kidnapped.
Have they been uh, gotten back, or are they still under like under ISIS control? They're still under ISIS control. So what can we like? What what happens when like a woman or anyone gets like kidnapped by ISIS, or gets kidnapped there by ISIS? Well, sometimes when they kidnap there, we don't know. Maybe they uh, they will release them back. But always we expect maybe they has uh, serious injury people in their camp, so they want those people to trade them. That's what we usually know. Whenever they came and kidnap some eight workers like that, that's their goals to went and trace their people in their uh, camps. So do those aid workers usually come back after they treat them, or they stay there, like until they're rescued, or I guess until they die? So sad as this to say, like, are they kept there as permanently, or maybe they treat like a nicest dude and then they're released? No, 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 they release them maybe after some month, but I believe they will release them very soon. They will release them because those people they kidnap, they are specialists in um, kind of uh, hospitals. So I believe they had maybe serious people that are injured in some other attacks. So they need urgent treatment. That's why they came and kidnapped them and stole some uh, medical stuffs. And um, I know at least it was a big thing in the, when ISIS was, when the Islamic State was at the top of its game, you know, in the top of its power in the Middle East. And it's also been a thing among Boko Haram, which I also meant to ask you about. But when you're dealing with the Islamic State, and I don't know how, how much experience you have with Boko Haram, but is there still fears that they, like, will kidnap women to take as wives? Like, I remember a few years ago, there was all those schoolgirls. If I remember, that was Nigeria. Correct me if I'm wrong. But um, where they took all those schoolgirls and they were gone, you know, I don't remember how many of them they were. And uh, they were trying to hold them as wives. Does that still happen? Yeah, in 2014, they stole um, more than 250 guests. That means in Chibok, Chibok in Borno State, they stole more than 50, uh, 250 guests, which we were able to rescue only 70 guests, and um, 20 were released by the terrorists. And most of them were married to the, the rest of them were married to the terrorists, and they sold some as uh, slaves. So does that still happen? Like even like now in 2022? Or is ISIS too like too weak these days to even do that? Yeah, it's still happening, but not um, uh, much as back then. Because uh, in 2020, they stole girls in Dabchi, which is Yobe State. They still stole um, some students, which we are able to rescue all of them. Took them to the uh, uh, airport, they fly them to the um, uh, capital. And um, obviously, you've been—you said you've been—you've uh, been fighting for many years, and you've been in the field. What was it like the first time you were in combat? And has it got like, I gotta believe there's some nerves there. This, you know, you gotta be a little bit nervous. You know, worry about being captured by Islamic State. And now you've made like you've been fighting for many years. Uh, that's gotta harden you up. That's gotta like harden. Well, uh, my first combat was in 2014 when we liberated a movie which is in Adama State. That's my first experience, which I was like, oh my God. No, I don't think if I can continue this fight because it was very brutal and terrible, honestly. Because I have never had that experience in my life and that was my first experience in combat. That was my first experience because I was just having, just hearing the raining of an aircraft, heavy firing from left and right. Like, I was, oh my God, this is hell in I am very confused by the honestly. I can't resist it. I have to take cover, take cover for some minutes 
while my 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 classmate was close to me, he's the person that because he's there before me, he was telling me like, guy, you have to make it. We have been we have been doing it before, and we have to make it again. We have to do it again. We have been here. We have been here. I have to calm my mind because I was very confused. Honestly, I was very very confused. Honestly, honestly, because it was heavy heavy firing. And now you've been fighting since then. Do you think like you do you handle yourself under fire a lot better these days? Yeah, I do honestly. I do because I'm I'm already in it. Like uh, I'm I'm familiar with all those stuff now. I I don't have any panic or afraid of anything. If you had to like guess or estimate how how much combat have you seen? Like how many battles? Honestly, more than more than more than thirty. Honestly, more than thirty battles. Wow, that's that's a lot, man. That's most most people. I don't know most people in their lives, even American soldiers deployed overseas, like they never get anywhere near that amount of action. Honestly, we we fought. We don't spend maybe like three to days without without fighting, fighting ambush or some other battles or they attacked. That's it. Because I'm in a special force, you know, as a special force. Our mostly mission was attacking enemy camp and rescue and reinforcement. So we've been on on movement all the time. All the time we are on movement. That's why I'm currently writing a book about the insurgent in in West Africa now, most especially in Nigeria, because that book I think it will help send message to the West that yes, this is what we are facing. What do everyday regular Nigerians, like villagers and even people from the capital, like, do you think they know about the struggles y'all are going through or are the people in the capital a little separated from it? Um, and, like, do, what, what what do they think about y'all's fight and the threat of ISIS? Is it Or is it more of a thing that they don't even think about until ISIS is at their village? Well, um, many people know that those people are active, but they are weak. Let me say they are weak, but they are still active. Yeah, um, people in the city knows about it, and they usually listen to news because many people are following me on IG, and uh, they are all aware. Most of our media, some of them are, have no access to go to the battlefield because some of them are afraid to get killed or kidnapped. So these people in the city are aware of our struggle. Do you feel support from your fellow Nigerians on what you're doing? Yeah, 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 we do. We do have some support from little people. You know, um, not all people will support, as in, like, not all people cares about that because as for what we choose to, yeah, we choose to protect our nation from uh, harm. Because if we don't fight, nobody will do it for us. And Nigeria is the only country we have. And therefore, we have to fight for this freedom. What does freedom mean to you? Like, what does it mean to be free? Yeah, freedom means to me, like, people will have access for education, access for free marketing, access for living. You can, maybe you can as well work from, uh, uh, um, like, um, from uh, 11 to 2 o'clock in the night without having afraid of getting killed or harm. Like, you have freedom to stay as a citizen without anyone so you've been mentioning well i i think that's awesome that you you're you know writing a book or at least plan to write a book you know on your experiences i definitely you know your story needs to be 
remember it needs to be written down and i think you know you're obviously the best person to do that and i'm what message do you have for people listening right now like uh, my, my listeners on on what they should take away from this and what what do you want them to know what's going on well uh, i want many people in the world to be aware of our struggle that those people that we are forcing if the international community help people from syria iraq and other countries then back as of uh, 20, 2010, 2011, I don't think if we could experience this ISIS threat, because those people flowed from uh, Syria, Iraq, and Kurdish to down to West Africa to come and terrorize us. I think the West need to stand with us. The West need to help uh, the African government to counter this insurgent before it got out of hands. That's my message to them. Please, I'm pleading for the wild African. The West need to help the wild African and counter this insurgent before it goes out of hand. Because we have seen many, um, many attacks. We have seen many uh, uh, atrocities that the ISIS committed in Africa. But few people in the West are aware. I, by the help of you guys who has large audience and media and other stuffs, we are able to reach out some little people that know yeah yes you guys are passing a lot fighting those terrible people i appreciate this that you you letting people know that um on a little bit of a lighter note i'm just curious what do you and your comrades do when you're not like uh, actively in battle what do you all do to kill time uh you know what do you all do to i don't even know have fun you know when you're not like actively fighting well, um, whenever we are not uh, going to fight that day, we have to pray so much for people that get cruel and the injured people that get disabled. We have to pray for them before we come and start playing drafts, chess and draft. So that's what we usually play and stay close to our trench in case of any attack or any surprise from the enemy. So basically, there's not even that much time to even do anything other than think about what you're doing, like, then prepare for the possibility of intact. There's really not time for leisure activity to do like fun things. Yeah, you know, as a special force, you don't have uh, much time to go maybe to the city or some other stops. Uh, we usually um, patrol from uh, point A to point B and secure the IDP cameras for the people that flee their, flee their village to IDP camps because those terrorists used to attack and kidnap women to, in the IDP camp get their first marriage so that's what we usually do how often do you all get leave or at least how often do you get leave like to, to you know go to the city or whatever after uh, every after um, three months you have uh, two weeks to leave every after two three months you have two weeks leave to and see your family and relatives yeah is that usually what you spend all those two weeks doing just uh, seeing family yeah yeah we do and what does your family think about what you do well, I was, whenever I went home, before I come back, my mother would be crying that I should stay safe, I should be safe. I should make sure that I did it because of God. I did it because of humanity. I did it because of innocent souls. That's all what she usually tell me whenever I'm coming back to the field. She, she, she will go me cry because she, she, she will be very like, oh my God, you are going to leave me. I don't know, maybe if you are coming back alive or not. So just be like, no, mom, just pray for me and God is with us. We are fighting the good fight. Do you think she's proud? Yeah, she's proud, honestly. She's proud. The family are proud. That's good to know, man. I, I, 
I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, man. Um, you know, I think it's like, you know, this is a good place to wrap it up and just, just thank you for real. And I, I really do appreciate what y'all are doing. You know, the West, yeah, I'm not, yeah, most of the West has forgot. I mean, most of the West has forgot what's going on in Syria and that's still going on. You know, people are already trying to forget about Ukraine, you know, people who don't actively pay attention to what's happening in Ukraine. Like, I mean, the West has a short attention span and that's pretty sad. And I, mean, I think you all deserve all the support, you know, in the, in the world if, to fight this enemy and fight the Islamic State and be able to live in freedom, as you said. So once, I just want to say thank you for real. I really appreciate honestly for helping us share awareness about our hunger in fight. I really appreciate honestly. For sure, man. I hope you have a safe, I hope you have a safe day, and I hope you stay safe out there on the front line. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Bro. All right, you have a good day, man. See you.